Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's me, WWE Hall of Famer from the LOD, Road Word Animal. And who are you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta do this when? Now? I'm watching a match. What is now? Now is it? Oh, now. Yeah. Thanks. Hey, this is the Pharaoh. From Monty and the Pharaoh, I just want to say thank you to our subscribers as we now have hit the 10,000 plateau. 
thank you to all our subscribers out there. But I'm going to ask our subscribers to take the next step for us and become a full-fledged YouTube Monty and the Pharaoh member. Yes, that's right, folks. You can check it out. We've got three different levels. Uh, there's free shirts. There's free autographs. There's all sorts of perks for our members. There is nothing more we enjoy than giving you this program. And to do that, we need your support, and we appreciate your support. This is Jimmy Farrow, and don't forget to check out Monty and the Farrow every Thursday from Indie Music TV and on Cablevision here locally in New York, Long Island's number one pro wrestling broadcast, Monty and the Farrow. Later. Is that good enough for you? Can I finish this? Lesson is killing him. I'm pissed. Yes. Alright, welcome back to Long Island's number one pro wrestler broadcast, Monty and a Faro scene only here out of Indie Music TV, straight out of Ronkonkoma, Long Island. Ooh. At the board, the now famous Matty Ice. Matty, how are you? Hey yo, hey yo. Uh, wow. You know, Matty, one thing Jimmy and I realize what? you're a very quiet, subtle young man. <laughs> He's yeah. subtle. But boy, we are a little bit different. Like, you have a lot of opinions that differ from the Pharaoh and myself. You ain't kidding. If anyone didn't uh, know that, that is one of the pro the wrestling wise, icons, <laughs> Jules Strongbow's in studio. Wise Chief has spoken. What are your thoughts on that, Matt? Uh, I mean, yeah. I'm, but, I mean, <laughs> you, are, you are a typical millennial. Wait, what? No, he's not. Yes. I don't, I don't yes. Think, I don't think he is. For, you're first, not on Facebook. You're not a typical millennial. Yeah, yeah. no, like, no. I feel like typical yeah. millennials are pretty... Yeah, I, I I, think you're right about subtle. I think he's more introvert millennial. Well, first I want to say I love him. I do love him. I do love him. Oh, he's great. But I cannot deal with his politics. I just can't. <laughs> and I can't. <laughs> and I Gee, won't. shock politics once again. I'm not eating with you tonight. To the right of me, if you didn't know it, that is the star Where? of the show, Mr. Uh -huh. Jimmy Farrow. I'm back again. I got to tell you, Jimmy. Yeah. I know Jimmy very well, everybody out there, and thank you, well, for, very, yeah. thank you all for joining us. Oh, yeah. But if you didn't know that Jimmy was squirming in his pants <laughs> during that last show, <laughs> he was getting angry. Uh, I, I could see no, it. I I could, yes, you are. You were getting angry. Well, you and were you picking know what? on Demolition at the end, calling them a Road Warrior carbon copy? Um, yeah, okay, maybe a little bit. First of all, I didn't say that, but that's okay. That's okay. All right. But, but you, you take you your you, you take your pro wrestling very very yeah, seriously. I do. I, uh, I and Pharaoh All right, fine. Pharaoh is the star of the show. Uh, yeah, well, wait a minute. That's you always saying that. You I are? only confirmed it in the parking lot because, you know, Nick asked me where the star was and I was like, "Well, according to you, it's, it's I'm standing right here. What do you want? I'm having a cigarette. I'm choking on my non-filter uh coffin nail, you know." And by the way, uh, our special guest will bring on shortly, Mr. Yeah. Jules Strongbow. Oh, but first, I want to cover 
the U.S. Department backs away from the idea of the Beijing Olympic boycott. The State Department denied Tuesday evening that it was considering a joint boycott alongside the allies uh, of 2022 Winter Olympics in Beijing. Okay. Thoughts about that, my friend? What, they're afraid to stand up to China because China has no regard for human rights from what it seems to be on the surface? That is correct. That is okay, correct. so who are the people who won't stand up? What, how many different countries are already pretending that this doesn't exist in China? China, by the way, they're, they're pretty nice lately. They told people, you can have three kids, now start screwing. You did they really do that? You didn't hear about that? That's a, yeah, that's what they did. And, and the Chinese people are like, I don't want three kids. Well, you better start making some because we don't have enough. I thought that they've already got like eight pounds of shit in a two-pound bag over there. <laughs> I'm, I'm so confused. Dude, China is a very, very powerful country, and they get a free pass on all sorts of things. You know? So Russell Campbell says out there, this is like deja vu. It is? All uh, over again. It is. Oh, nice. It is like deja vu. I feel like vu. we've been here before. Wait a minute. We have. Anyway, you got? I'd like to thank the band that sings the oh. theme song for Monty Nefaro, Wisteria Hall. That's me. Thank That's you. Jimmy Farrell, along with his partner, Bart Griggs. They make up this great band. They sing such great songs as In My Dreams, This Life, Not Far Behind, and Here Comes Rain. Mm. If you like Wisteria Hall's music, you can find it on Spotify, iTunes, or Reverb Nation. And look, they're a great band. Go to their YouTube page. Just give them a like. Give them a subscribe. Give them some love. Thank you. You heard this from Mike Monty. I promise you, you listen to that music, you will thoroughly enjoy it. If you don't know, you are watching Monty and Nefaro, Long Island's number one pro wrestling broadcast. You can watch us on the Monty and Nefaro YouTube page, our Monty and Nefaro Facebook Live page. Hear us on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Anchor, Twitch TV, the Monty and Nefaro page. And if you're in New York, the New York Cable, Channel 115, every Tuesday from 7 to 7.30, where you'll see our honored and special guest, Mr. Chief Jewel Strongbow, in the consolidated wow, look version you. Did you buy a of this show. You're using fancy words Damn straight. It's not, it's not reduced anymore. And for the early risers okay. on Channel 115, Saturday, 6 a.m. to 6.30, and Channel 20 on Fridays from 2 a.m. to 2.30. I don't know if Jules Strongbow knows he was going to be on New York Cable he Television. Does now. That's he does, right. He does now. And we'll be right back after this commercial break with pro wrestling icon, superstar, chief, Jules Strongbow. Do you treat your dog as part of the family? <laughs> well, so do we. So why not celebrate your pup's birthday with the ultimate party box? Check us out on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Party Pup Info, and let us make your pup's party or any celebration perfection. Jeff Quest Graphics Design, custom vinyl lettering, and all your art and video needs. 516-317-8204. That's for Jeff Quest Graphic Design. In the mood for a freshly roasted cup of coffee? www.offtherailscoffeeroasters.com All right, welcome back to Long Island's number one pro wrestling broadcast, Monty Nefaro, only seen here out of Indie Music TV, straight out of Ron Conkham Long Island. Before we get to our special guest, Mr. Oh. Chief Jules Strongbow, I want to 
welcome aboard our one of our new sponsors, which they'll be start promotion on Thursday when we have the Tonga Kid in studio. Okay. Under the Table Hot Sauce Ooh. has joined the band of partnership, as you see behind us, of these great sponsors that sponsor this show. Nice. But more importantly, we have in studio pro wrestling icon, Chief Jules Strongbro. How are you, sir? How's it going? So far, from what I've seen, this is one heck of a show. Man, oh, oh man. You. Boy, Thank I you. love it when you guys put us over. Thank you so much. What <laughs> a smooth segue into the interview. So let, let me ask you, how are you holding up? COVID, what's going on? What has been in the life of Mr. Jules Strongbow? A lot, a lot of staying home, minding my own business, and wearing a mask when I go out. Go to work and wear a mask at work, which is annoyingly uncomfortable most of the time. But other than that, we made it through the COVID thing fairly well. Now we've we've got the shots, so we're looking at the light coming down the end of the tunnel, praying, praying that it's not some freight train with no engineer at the throttle. Mm. You know, so we're we're doing all right. We're we're making it. It's going to happen. So according to the chief, the United States, there is light at the end of the tunnel for everybody. Yep, like I said, just praying it ain't a freight train with no engineer, <laughs> or the or the engineer is not sleeping. <laughs> well, that could be too, you know. Well, it couldn't be. I think it's actually happening. Probably right happens now. more often than not. <laughs> there you go again. And maybe the engineer doesn't even know his name half the time. That, oh my! God. That could be too. Oh boy. Holy veto back. Well, you know, without <laughs> oh, saying yeah. it, I guess we're saying it, but we're praying for something different, right? Praying for something different, and we're praying that it's going to be good when it gets here. That's it, brother. You mentioned to me outside in the parking lot that home for you is Green Bay, Wisconsin, correct? Yep. What do you do for, you said you go, you you, you have a job and stuff. What does what is, what is Chief uh, Jules do at, at work in Green Bay? What's up in Green Bay for you on a regular basis, daily basis? Going to work. What is work for you, if I can ask? I work for the world's largest retail operation. Okay. And... I do the old football quarterback job. All right. I stock shelves. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Oh, that is then. great. <laughs> I'm thinking Zach Wilson. He's stocking shelves. I'm so confused. By the way, uh, you know, we've had a lot of pro wrestlers through the annals of the Monty and the Faro show, and I will tell you, every one of them say what a great person and human being you are, and a lot of them have reached out to say, Hello. I, I appreciate all the hellos and I, and I wonder how they're getting away with lying to you all the time. <laughs> well, I guess we're I guess we're going to find out. I I guess I I just try to be a good person, you know, and and try to treat people well and, and stay with them, you know. We're all in this together. We might as well get along. That's right, Jules. We first, of course, got a glance at at your career back in the early 80s. At this point, we were in junior high, just really getting into pro wrestling, and the Strongbows came up in that great tag team division from all those years ago. But before we get to that, what started you in this business? How does Chief Jewel Strongbow become involved in professional wrestling? As a fan, believe it or not. Uh, after I got out of service in 1968, I started going to the matches in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, where I lived. And got to know the promoter there, and he asked me, you know, do you mind every so often, you know, maybe driving somebody to the airport for me, you know, so we got more than one, you know, one car and, and ten guys trying to get in that one car. It looked like a circus with a bunch of midgets climbing out of a car. 
I said, yeah. I said, you know, if if I'm going that way, sure, I'll give him a ride. And got to talking to some of the guys, and then one night I ended up being part of the security, escorting wrestlers to and from the ring. And then one night I, I cracked off to one of the wrestlers, and he said, you know, I said, didn't look like you had too good of a match out there. And he goes, well, if you think you can do better, get your big ass out there and, and do it. So I got to thinking. I said, you know, hmm. So I started paying attention to what I was watching and not what I was seeing. And for about two about two years, I started trying to find somebody who would train me. Financially, that became an impossibility, and and I was didn't give up, but I just kept hunting for somebody that, from my point of view, had a little bit more. Uh, leniency in the way they, they, they handled things. And then I was sitting at home one afternoon in July of uh, 1971, I think it was. Got a phone call from this guy who was going to promote a show in a place called Racine, Wisconsin. Racine, home of uh, American Motors and Johnson & Johnson, stuff like that. And he said, you still want to be a wrestler? And I said, uh, yeah. Uh, come on, wake up. Mm. Won't have been pestering people for two and a half years. He said, okay, your first match is July 20th. And I said, I've had no training. He goes, oh, don't worry, we'll get you some training to get you through your first match. July 20th, I climbed in the ring with four hours training, went to a 15-minute draw with the guy I was wrestling. And after that, they... Uh, some of the guys that were in the dressing room said, hey, you know, there's wrestling tomorrow afternoon, Sunday afternoon at the Eagles Club in Milwaukee. I said, oh, really? I said, I live a half a block behind the Eagles Club and didn't even know that. Hmm. And one of the guys says, bring your equipment. And if somebody doesn't show up, we'll tell them you're there and maybe they could, maybe you can get another second match in. So I went up there and sure enough, somebody didn't show up. The guy that didn't show up for that Sunday afternoon match was a man later to be gaining world acclaim as Playboy Buddy Rose. Wow. Wow. So you took his spot And uh, that night. I took his spot, 35-minute match with a man, and some of the same guys after the matches were over that night in the dressing room, one of them walked up to me and he says, I guess you were serious about becoming a wrestler. He says, be at the gym 10 o'clock Monday morning and we'll start training. And I went, hold it right here. I said, before we go any farther, what's this going to cost me? And he says, no. He says, we, can, we need to, not going to cost you anything. We need to break in some guys, you know, to work on TV. And I went, hey, it's a start. Right. So sure. that started about five or six months of training on a, gymnastics mat on a gym floor in a basketball gym. Now, a gymnastics mat is about an inch, and it's not the softest thing in the world, so you're learning to do, you're learning to take falls. You're, you're learning, and, and it's, you know, and I'm doing this four or five hours a day for six weeks. Mm. Then we started, you know, working on, on everything else that needed to be worked on. December 6th, they I got a phone call from one of the guys, and they said, uh, you doing anything Saturday? And I went, uh, no. 
okay, get your bag packed. We're going to do TV in Minneapolis. And I got up there and and went in for my first match. And it was against the guy known as the man of a thousand holes, Red Bastine. Oh, wow. Okay. Two out of three falls. Needless to say, I lost. But I really didn't lose because I learned something. And that's the way I looked at it. Every time I got in that ring for a match, I was learning something. But aren't you, like, amazed, like, here you are a fan, and now all of a sudden, short time, now you're on television, like that? It really didn't hit me for about two years, two or three years. And uh, I was just trying to pick up extra money and, and learn what I was doing. And that's where it started. And... As they say in, in so many things, uh, the rest is history. We went on to work part-time for from, oh, I'd say 1971 to 1979. But in the interim, in about 1975, it got to the point where I was being booked three and four days a week. Now, in AWA, three and four days a week was about as close to full-time as you could get without working five and six days. What kind of money was that, working in the AWA? It wasn't, it wasn't bad from my point of view at the time because I, I looked at it this way. I'm learning, I'm having fun, and I'm starting to make progress. And then I was mentored by everybody in the AWA territory at some point. But my two main mentors were two of the greatest men ever to lace up a pair of boots and put on a pair of tights, Ray Stevens mm. and Nick Bockwinkle. Wow. There we go. There's that Bockwinkle name. There you go, right there. Yeah, I think very highly of Nick Bockwinkle. We go back and forth all the time. He doesn't like Bockwinkle. He thinks he sucks. <laughs> I didn't wait. Hold on. I didn't say. I didn't say he sucks. Well, you threw demolition under the rug, so now I'm getting back. See, I you. told everybody out there. He's still <laughs> angry over the last show. I'm not angry. I'm, um, just, I'm just pleasantly miffed. First of all, I don't want that to pass. You, you served. You in the service? Mm. What branch yep. of service were you? in? Mm. I was in the United States Army Security Agency. Well, thank you for your service. You thank you. you uh, so your most famous run. In my opinion, I don't know about this guy anymore. Maybe he thinks your run in AWA was more important, but you what? entered the WWWF. <laughs> Tell us how you end up moving and brought, how do you get brought into the WWWF? It, that's a funny story. I was wrestling out of Los Angeles for the, for the LaBelle family, NWA territory. It's New Year's Day, 1980. We're off. So I'm sitting in my room watching the Rose Bowl parade. The phone rings. Pick the phone. Hey, Frankie, it's Mike LaBelle. I go, Mike, Happy New Year. What's up? Write this phone number down. Gives me a phone number. I write it down. He says, now when you and I get through talking, you call this phone number because the man who's going to answer this phone is waiting for your call within the next hour. I went, Okay. So we talked a little bit, you know, and, and he says, now, when you talk to Vince McMahon, mind your manners, you know, he says, be yourself, mind, you know, like you always are, mindful of, of, of who you're talking to and be respectful. I said, Mike, that's the way I am. That's just me. He says, don't lose it. Hmm. So I said, okay. He said, and call me back after you get through talking to, to Vince McMahon. 
So I called up, called the number. The first thing I hear when I hear the and pick up the phone was, "Hello, Frankie, how's it going? Happy New Year." I said, "Mr. McMahon." He goes, "Yep, that's me." Mm. He says, "Need to talk to you a little bit." He says, I'm "Gonna bring you into the WWF," and I went, "Do what?" He said, I'm "Gonna bring you into the WWF." He says, "It's not gonna be soon." He says, "But I'm working on working on with you right now." He said, "We're probably looking at a year to two years before you come in." He said, "And we're gonna do something special with you." He says. We're going to shock a lot of people. I went, okay. So he went on, he laid out what I was to do for the next, till I got the, the call to go to New York, which was every six weeks I'm to report to him where I'm at, how much money I'm making, whether I'm being treated nicely or whatever. Mm. He said, if we run into any problems, I'll take care of it. And it was just the way I'll take care of it struck me as you need to keep doing what you're doing only do it better and better every time you do it so new year's day 1982 i'm wrestling out of oklahoma for for the mcgurk promotion my phone rings at my in in my house my apartment and it was george scott who was the the main man for the McGurks, and he says, Frankie, he says, you need to call Vince McMahon. Here's the phone number. He says, I got you booked in New York. What he didn't know is that Vince and I had been talking for the past two years on a constant basis. Hmm. So I end up, got some talking to him, Call Vince McMahon, he says, March 31st, your first TV date, be here. He says, call Eastern, get your airline tickets. We'll pay for your tickets when you get here. All you got to do is pay them when you get back. I went, yes, sir. So that's how I ended up in the WWF. But I guess what had been happening all along is from when I started working more than one day every every two or three weeks in the AWA is somebody's seen something. Not only in AWA, but I'm assuming they've seen something in New York, they've seen something in L.A., they've seen something in, in Oklahoma that I wasn't aware of. That maybe this kid had something. Maybe maybe he was going to be all right. Maybe he we could pull some money with this kid. So at this time, during the early 80, during early 1980s, Jimmy Snuka was the big, the big bad guy in the Oklahoma Territory, and, and him and I had a lot of go-rounds. So blew the, blew the roof off that place. I mean, we were selling out crowds every night five and six nights a week. I get to New York. I walk through the door of the Allentown uh, arena, and I can't, the farm. It's I a farmhouse, the Allentown yeah. farmhouse, yeah. Yeah, and 
from across the entire length of that building, I, I hear somebody scream, Frankie, you're here. What took you so freaking long? And it was Snooka. He come running across the building, grabbed me, hugged me like I was his long-lost brother. Mm. You know? He said, have you met Vince yet? I said, Timmy, I just walked in the door. He says, come on, go, in, go introduce you to Vince. So he walked over to Vince Sr., had a little office there, knocked on the door, and Vince said, come on in. Jimmy said, Vince, he said, I brought Frankie over. I said, I'd like to introduce you to Frankie Hill. Vince looked up and he goes, I know who he is, Jimmy. He says, yeah, but you don't know about him. He says, this guy could commit murder on the Oklahoma Capitol steps and they'd pin a medal on him for it. <laughs> he said, this guy is so well-known and so over in Oklahoma, he can't do anything wrong. And again, Vince McMahon looked up at him and he goes, I know Jimmy. He says, would you excuse us? I need to talk to Frankie. <laughs> wow. So that was my introduction to Vince McMahon Sr. in person, and that's how I ended up in the WWF. So they they put you with uh, Joe Scarpa, right, Chief J. Strongbow? Yep. So we've had a again a lot of wrestlers come through here. The oh, one yeah. the one thing oh, we, yeah. we we take, we speak about Chief J. Not many people liked him, but I'm sure you had a personal relationship with him since they put you guys together as a tag team. Can you tell us about Chief J. Strongbow? We got along. We we got along because. Number one, it was necessary for us to get along. So we got along. Uh, him and I really didn't have any big differences. And it worked. You know, the partnership worked very well. And there were a lot of people, and I run into them today, that didn't care for him. Away, fr away, from, away from the arenas, away from wrestling... We just kind of went our own separate ways. I had a family, and, and he had a family, and then we just never, we didn't hang out together. We didn't grill out together, you know, because we both had families. And, and at the time, you know, it was when we got a chance to take a rest, that's exactly what we did. But was he booking at that time also? No. So, so he was just a straight wrestler then? He, he was just a straight wrestler, and he became a an agent probably about four or five months later. Were you surprised at the reputation he has over the years? Because behind the scenes is one thing. Fans had no idea that he was a booker or that he was busting balls on certain people. Did you ever see any of that behind the scenes? I never seen it because I think he didn't want me to see it. Okay. okay. Because... As time will tell, and if you look at our litany of matches over over that entire run, there was a point where things changed. In the publicity that came out, and I, it took me probably two, three weeks after it started before I realized something's changing here. And we used to be introduced as Chief J and Jules. Then it went to Jules and Jay, the Strongbows. Mm -hmm. Then away from away from TV, it became Chief Jules and Chief Jay. So I think he may have felt a little bit that I was starting to rise above him. Mm. 
and I and I've talked to a few guys, you know, over the course of my entire career, who said, who in effect told me that he couldn't hold a handle to me in the ring. And I said, you know, okay, I'm just trying to do my job and do the best I can, so that we're all all success, mm-hmm. because. Like I like I said before, we're all in this together. We've got to work together, and the harder we work together, the better the outcome's going to be for all of us. That was my philosophy then. That's my philosophy today. That's going to be my philosophy 10 years from now. One of the great illusions that Chief J. Strongwell pulled off so well was that he was an Indian. I don't want to sound stupid, but I, when I found out he was Italian, I was like... I. What, what was? What was? Were you onto him? Did you? Did you walk in being of true tribe? Like walk up to him and go. No. You. You don't. You. You, you don't seem Indian. I mean, were you onto him? Were you surprised when you found out he was Italian? I mean, like what the? No. Just curious. Just no. curious. No. Am- amongst our people. Well, that's because it's wrestling, right? <laughs> well, yeah. Am- but amongst our people, there is a recognition factor that all of us carry. Okay. If you put 10 people in front of me and put two Indians in the crowd who look like the rest of them, I'm pretty sure I can pick out the two Indians and leave the others behind. Fair enough, yeah. You know, so I knew from from probably the very start when he went into New York that he was not Indian. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. Were any of your family members like, this guy's not even a real, did you get any any kind of like, this guy's not even a real Indian, what's going on over there? Anybody say anything like, you know, what's the story with that? Not none of my family, okay. but there are other other people who are Native American who who would ask me, you know, mm-hmm. what are you doing with this guy? He, he's mm. he's a pretend Indian. He's <laughs> making <doing> spaghetti. <laughs> what are you doing with this guy? He's, he's making spaghetti. pasta. Yeah. Yeah. Vodka, cheap jewels, eat up. <laughs> All right, with that, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be back with pro wrestling icon Chief Jewel Strongbow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what's up, Mike? Hey, Jimmy, what's going on? Yeah, not the much. You know, Jimmy, I love this country. Oh. I love to buy Made in America material. And I love to buy my artwork at TAG, T-A-A-G, Made in America, 14 East Broadway, Port Jefferson, New York, 11717, the shop at the corner. M&J Video Games and Collectibles. Sport and non-sport cards, wrestling items, autographed items. We buy, sell, and trade. M&J Video Games and Collectibles, located at 1049 Queen Street, Southington, Connecticut. Call us at 1-860-479-9223 or 860-93-GAMES. M&J Video Games and Collectibles. All right, welcome back to Long Island's number one pro wrestling broadcast, Monty Nefaro, seen only here out of Indie Music TV. Mm. This is a special Saturday show with special. the incredible yeah. Chief Jewel Strongbow. Jules, I wanted to ask you, of course, growing up in this time period, this very special and I think somewhat underrated tag team time period because of all the great teams that occurred in the early 80s with Vince McMahon Sr., WWF. You defeated not once, but twice, one of the greatest tag teams of all time, Mr. Fuji and Mr. Saito. What were they like to work with and behind the scenes? Behind the scenes, 
they were they were very. And I'm trying to think of a good word to. Fuji's got quite the rep, so this should be interesting. They were very different from each other. Okay. But they gelled well together because both personalities seemed to mesh at some point. Mm -hmm. And like like you said before, Fuji's got quite a rep. <laughs> Do you ever give you a nightmare story you might want to share or, or try to forget? <laughs> Fuji. No. Fu for, and, I, and I'm probably one of the very, very few people that Fuji never really done anything really, you know. He didn't screw with you? No, wow. he didn't. You're lucky from what but, I hear. But I found out from somebody had mentioned it just in passing one time, Fuji's got very ticklish feet. Yeah. <laughs> wrong, he wrestled barefoot. Okay. Wrong, right. wrong thing to tell the old Indian kid. Oh. <laughs> what did you do? Because... <laughs> Wait a minute, those feathers, those feet. I don't know if I like the math of this. What did you do to Fuji? <laughs> that should give you a little indication of what happened. Holy headdress. <laughs> That's great. Shortly after I found out about this, I was working a match with Fuji, and I start working on his, his, his legs. Mm -hmm. So he said something, so I reached down, because I had him in some kind of leg lock, and I don't remember what it was, but I had access to his foot. And I started tickling his foot. He went absolutely ape. He screamed like somebody was sticking hot fire pokers in his ears, up his nose, and everything. He was screaming like a madman. He and broke went, kayfabe. He was supposed to stay within the, the course of the match. He killed it. <laughs> so anyway. That's great. Af after the, he said, no tickle. No, no tickle me no more. Okay. I said, Fuji, you, you mess with me. That's going to happen every time every, I get in the ring with you. Every time. And so I don't now you know, know why he didn't screw with you. And I don't know if that if that was the reason he never messed with me was because <laughs> I told him that's going to happen. Mm. But he he never did, you know. And I'd seen him play some jokes on other people uh, that were kind of brutal. Mm. You know, I've uh, one guy asked him, you know, to take his car down to the garage to get an oil change because he had to go on the road for a couple of days. The guy come back and his uh, $29 oil change turned into a $1,200 repair bill. Oh, my Jeez, God. Fuji, wow. Fuji got him new tires, new brake job, you know. <laughs> wow. Well, you were obviously very effective at tickling, and you got to uh, spare yourself the wrath of Mr. <laughs> Fuji. I'm interested to know... Are you fond of Vince Senior? What your memories of Vince Senior? How was he as a person towards you? Do you have Vin, Vince Senior? Senior. Vince Senior. There is only one way that I can describe Mr. McMahon, hmm. Senior. It he was, and will always be in my mind, the most absolutely perfect gentleman hmm. walking the streets. Can you compare Junior? and senior two different people junior is one heck of a businessman the guy knew what he was doing knows what he's doing and if he needs somebody with an expertise that he doesn't have he'll go get him Vince Junior and I got along very well that was it, 
you know. So Vince Jr. was also good to you. Not yes, just, that's, they, they both, okay. the, both, the, both of the Vinces were absolutely fantastic mm. to me. Excellent. You know, okay. and and I've heard from other guys that you know, quite the opposite in some cases. Sure, sure. But I also got to look at it from this point of view. What did you do that caused the dissension between the two of you? This is a two-way street. This don't go down one one-way roads here. Logical. You know, Logical. so some guys got along with him. Some guys didn't. I remember one time we went to TV and and we had. He had a microphone, wired microphone, that went to a box, you know, a junction box. And I get to TV, and the junction box is hanging down between Vince's legs, and he's trying to do interviews of this thing, box bouncing off his legs. Mm. So I walked over, and, and between interviews, and I said, Vince, when you get five minutes, take a break, and I'll fix that box for you. He goes, what? I said, yeah. That's got to be annoying as all get out. That box swing in there, you can't do things right. We're taking five. He said, if you can fix, <laughs> fix it, this. go ahead. Go. I, went out to my, I went out to my van. I got a wire coat hanger, a pair of pliers, and some adhesive, and some, uh, not adhesive tape, some sports tape. Mm -hmm. Went back in. Bent it, wrapped it around the box, taped the box, called Vince over, hung it on his belt. I said, is that better? He looked at the chief engineer for the for the TV station that was doing the, doing the TV for us, and he says, see that? I should fire you and hire him as the chief engineer. That's pretty Sounds funny. like Vince. <laughs> and then uh, another time I went to TV, and Vince was there, and he had a button that was loose and hanging down. And uh, I said, Vince, give me five minutes so I can fix that button on your coat that looks bad on camera. Five minutes. <laughs> Time out. <laughs> so I took, he, he gave me his jacket. He said, what you could do? I said, I'm going to tighten up that button. So I tightened it up, pulled the strings, tied a big knot in there. It was tight as what? He goes, jeez. He says, small motor coordination on a man your size. He mm. said, that's unreal. Mm. I said, I had I had a mother taught me how to sew. Well, there you go. <coughs> said, Todd B. Craft asks, Jules, uh, what are your memories of lifting weights in Oregon Gym in Portland when you worked for Don Owens? Oh. Wow. The highlight of my life was going to that gym every day. I worked myself up to where I was doing, and I believe at the time it was probably about a 402 and a half pound bench press. I would I would go to the gym and I would warm up with two and a quarter on a bench. Nice. I'd doing 150 on on tricep push downs. No Do, juice? No. Straight that's, that's, straight Chief Jewel Strongbow. Yeah. That stuff scares the living bejesus out of me. Yeah. No thanks. Always yeah. has, always will. I don't know what it does to my body, and I ain't touching it. Did you feel pressure, being a wrestler, to take it? Not outright. You know, I, I see other guys, you know, with these ripped bodies and, and big, huge muscles, and I'm going, yeah, it would be nice to look like that, but not the way they're doing it. Mm. You know, mm. what happens down the road? What happens, what does, what happens when you're, say, 
50 years old and that stuff started coming back to act on you. Mm. It, it just scared the hell out of me, and I didn't do it. I wouldn't do it. Chief, this might be a little bit of a reach because the timing could be off, but I think I'm, we're close enough. But I'm going to ask it. Um, we, ha- we have a brother of Tom Cole, Dale Cole, who has been on the show. Um, Tom Cole was a ring boy for the WWE. Yep. Um, and he was approached and had some sexual harassment go on. Uh, I know that Mel Phillips was around at your time. I'm not sure if Terry Garvin was or if he came in later on. But you were you aware of anything that was going on with the sexual harassment with the young ring boys that were setting up the rings in the WWE back in the day? Did you no. anything weird back in no. the day of any kind? How about you know, Mel Phillips? What was your impression? Mel, Mel, Phillips, Mel Phillips to me was just a weird person because Mel Phillips had a degree in music. Okay. Mel Phillips, I believe at the time, had a master's degree in music. All right. As a pianist, as an organist, and stuff like that. And, and, and I felt he was wasting himself being a ring boy. You know, or working, working for WWF, hmm. setting up rings and tearing down rings. And, Did and you talk like to him that. about it? Were you like, what are you doing wasting your time? We got into a conversation one time, and I said, Mel, where'd you go to school? And I said, you know, and he told me, and I, and I said, what'd you go to school for? He said, well, I've got a master's degree in music. I said, and the only thing I, I said was, what are you doing here? Well, when I'm home, I, I'm the organist at my church. And I said, what are you doing here? Well, I'm doing something I like. I said, are you happy doing it? And he goes, well, yeah. Yeah, I am. And I said, I got to tell you, I think you're wasting yourself. But if you're happy doing what you're doing, then I really can't complain. Mm. I really have nothing to say to you. So, were you surprised when you heard stories about him later on? Oh yeah, yes, I was. Wow, very much. Hmm. With that, we'll take a quick commercial break. We will be right back with pro wrestling icon, Chief Jules Strongbow. See you in a sec. And Nitro's Garage for all your automotive needs. Call 646-675-2349. That's 646-675-2349. For all your automotive needs, Nitro's Garage, ask for Jack. Elm Logistics for all your logistic needs. Call 631 631- 299-3595. That's 631-299-3595. Elm Global Logistics. Pride, performance, and partnerships. The Monty and the Pharaoh Show is brought to you by... Because wine is your second favorite four-letter word. California wine... New York attitude, good fucking wine. Yeah. All right, welcome back to Long Island's number one pro wrestling broadcast, Monty Nefaro, only seen here out of Indie Music TV in Long Island, New York, with special guest, pro wrestling icon, Chief Jules Strongbow. Jules, you have wrestled with and against countless legends in this business. Do you have a personal favorite that you worked with? Personal favorite that I work with, Ray Stevens. Okay, elaborate well, the, for us. Ray Stevens and and another man who is very well known, Ivan Koloff. Oh wow! Yeah. Okay. 
Ray Stevens and I were booked against each other in Madison Square Garden on a match prior to the world champions. We were like third, he was fourth. Ray went out. I went to Ray and I says, Ray, you're one of my teachers. What am I going to do? He goes, you're going to go out there and you're going to be yourself. And I said, what are we going to do? He says, we're going to steal the show. And right away, I got an itchy feeling. Maybe we're not doing something right. So anyway, we went out there and tore the house down. 27,500 people in the Madison Square Garden in the Felt Forum. And we had them screaming for about 12 minutes. Mm -hmm. I mean, literally screaming. Mm. One of the greatest matches of my career happened that night. I was think I was there. I actually think I was there. Right before the main event, huh? Yeah. Uh-oh. So we go back to the dressing room. <laughs> Uh-oh. And I'm thanking Ray. And the door opens, and I see we go. a hand come through the door and go, I want to see you two in the hall. <laughs> Guys are in trouble for being great. Go on. And I figured, oh, boy. I'm getting fired for something, and I don't know what. <laughs> and we were literally told that at that point, neither one of us, if we were working against each other, would ever go on before the main event again. Because the main event went on after us, and people were going to the popcorn stand, sitting on their hands, wow. whistling songs in the crowd. He said, "Who was the hand that, that was that Vince Senior?" That was Vince McMahon Senior. Oh boy! Do you remember what the main event was that night? Bob Backlund against somebody. Pretty sure if it was the Crippler, it's got to be Backlund against. Buddy Rose's time. It might have been Buddy Rose. Yeah, it might have been. It might have been Buddy wow, Rose. Good <laughs> call, yeah, brother. I'm thinking it it's been about Buddy that Rose. time period. Boy, oh boy. Now wait, wait a minute. Backlund and Rose put on a good match. What the? Not compared to the boy, Ray Stevens, really Steve Jules really Strongbow match. Pissed off Vince Senior. What you you worked earth? with Andre. Give we, us a, we, we were. He okay. did. We didn't. We didn't make him angry. Okay. It's just that he realized you can't have that, right? You know, understand. I can't have you guys going out there and tearing down the building and the people looking at the world's champion and they're doing nothing. Right. They're going to the popcorn stand. They're going to the bathroom. You know, they're sitting on their hand. Yeah. He said, he's supposed to be the world's champion and you guys are stealing everything in the (laughs) building but the cushions on the seats. And the other one is Ivan Koloff. Ivan and Koloff and I wrestled each other probably 10 times before we went to the garden to wrestle each other. Opening five seconds of the match, I dislocated my left knee. It popped out and popped right back in. And I said, my knee is hurt. Ivan said, let's go home. I said, we have a match to finish, and we kept on. Mm. Finished the match. I limped out because the adrenaline was so high in my system, I didn't feel any pain. Sure, sure. And I have a high pain tolerance to begin with, so that didn't help matters either. Mm. Get back to the dressing room, and I'm sitting there rubbing my knee, cooling down. The door opens, and I see Vince McMahon Sr. and Vince McMahon Jr. both standing at the door, and Vince Sr. goes, 
There's that finger again. I went, oh, crap. <laughs> and this was my last night in the territory, you know, so I figured, well, they're coming to tell me goodbye and don't come back because you just, you steal too much. You take too much. Went out there and Vince said, Vince Sr. said to me, you might have just been trying to blow smoke or make me feel good. He said, Frankie, and he never called me Jules. He always called me Frankie. He said, Frankie, I've been a promoter in this building for 40 years. He said, I just witnessed one of, if not the finest wrestling match I have ever seen in this building. Wow. And Vince Jr. was standing there, and he goes, yes, one of the finest I've ever seen in this building. Wow. You know, that made me feel really good that the promoters had given me that much credit and that kind of an accolade, even though it was my last night in the territory. Hmm. Did the garden make you want to perform at a higher level? Is it true what they say when you walk through that those hollow doors of Madison Square Garden? Did you just up your game naturally? It happens without you realizing it's taking place. Okay. You are on the center stage of the premier venue for not only wrestling. Oh, yeah but any sports that takes place indoors Yep. once you walk through those doors in that building. Did it kill you that you were leaving the WWE? Like, did it yes and no. Yes, it, it killed me because I was leaving. No, because I was expecting to come back in six to eight months. Okay. That was the plan Vince Sr. had laid out mm-hmm. when he put Jay and I together. And I was going to be gone six to eight months, and I was going to come back and start working as a single. And Vince Sr. said, and when you come back, we're going to do what I had originally thought. So I'm gone about four months. Vince Sr. passes away. Mm. And everything changed. Sure. So as it turned out, I I never went back. Mm. Did you ever get a call from Vince about why you weren't coming back as originally planned or obviously seeing your passing, but were you ever contacted to, you know, just to follow up, like, you know, we're not going to bring you back? And I ran into Vince in, I think it was 84. I was up in Portland. Might have been late 83. I get a call from Don Owens. He said, Vince wants you to get three guys and go down to the NAPTE convention in San Francisco. Do two matches down there for their presentation at the NAPTE convention. Mm-hmm. So I got down there, and this is after all that time I'd spent in the gym, right. getting hard as a rock and, and just feeling good myself, you know. That's the reason I was working out, because I just, I got in a rut and became a muscle head, so to speak. Mm. Not to the extent of some of the other guys, you know, or bodybuilders, but I just wanted to know that I could do it. And uh, after we got done, I went, got dressed and put on my track suit and tennis shoes and walked out and I went to Vince and I said, Vince, everything okay? You know, just just to get feedback because I know when I get back to the Portland locker room, those three guys that I took down there are going to say, what did he say, what did he say? Did he say anything? Did you recommend any of us? You know, I knew that was coming, so I wanted to get that feedback because I was the only one from 
WWF that was went sent down there. So he pokes me in the in the in the chest and he goes, "Damn, is that you or do you have a belly band on of that rubber stuff?" And I went, "No, that's me, Vince." And he said, "Boy, we're gonna have to work on getting you back back to back to work on the East Coast." And that's the last I heard of him. That was the last of it. Yeah. Okay. So, Chief. One of my favorite tag teams were Adonis and Ventura. They came up here. Um, you defended the title against them in Madison Square Garden. Yep. I was there for that, uh, which was, unfortunately, I have to say, I was rooting for them. But oh, you know, well, you know. be that way then. <laughs> we're marks for the bad can guys, you, especially back then between can Valentine you t- Morocco. Can you tell us about Ventura or Adonis? Ad- Adonis also gets a bad rap. Can you tell us about those two guys? I liked working with them. I could see why you es- would. Especially Adonis. Yeah. He was so easy to work with. Jesse, he's a Minneapolis boy. Need I say anything else? Mm. Yeah. There you go. Mm. He he was he was one of us. I look at the business, you know, the Minneapolis crew. But the Minneapolis crew became the world crew after after a while when WWF turned into WWE. If you look at that roster, there was a lot of Minneapolis boys on that on those sheets, a lot. Yeah, there were. During the seventies and eighties, from my point of view, all the premier wrestling talent was coming out of the Midwest, mm. primarily out of Minneapolis. You know, and and I'm kind of feel honored to say that I was part of that group. But there are other men that came out of that group that were just. Utterly fantastic. Sure. Was Jesse difficult to work in the ring with? No. Because when I think of Minneapolis, I think of certain names like you just were hinting at, but I certainly don't think of Jesse up front. I, you know, I was wondering if he was hard to work with at all. And No. Interesting. Okay. I, I, there are very few people that I found hard to work with. Who did you find hard to work with, if, you, if I can ask? Not any really big names. A lot of younger guys trying to make a name for themselves. All right. Later on in my career is when, you know, uh, one guy that tried to get a little rough with me was David Von Erich. Oh mm. wow! Wow. Okay. I okay. we we straightened that out in about three good chops to the to wake him up. And, Interesting. Uh, Interesting. Phil Descara says out the uh, viewer Phil Descara. I hope I'm pronouncing it right. He's asking, what was it like working for Vern Gagne? Mm. Working for Vern Gagne? Yeah. I found it delightful. I learned. I I wrestled Vern Gagne probably two, maybe three times. Okay. And each time I worked with him, I learned something. I would think so. And each time I worked with him after the matches were over, he'd come back and he'd say, "Are you okay?" And I'd say, "Are you okay? Did I, you know, do anything to hurt you or anything like that?" And he goes, "Nope." He said, "But you're learning." He mm, says, "That's great." Every time I see you get in that ring, you're learning. Man, I'm marking out for Chief Jules Strombo right now. Heck yeah, man. We'll be right back after this commercial break with pro wrestling icon, Chief Jules Strombo. That's right, folks. Canine Corral for all your dog daycare and overnight care. Call 631-549-1544. That's 631-549-1544. 
And APB, American Protection Bureau, voted number one best on Long Island for all your security needs. Call 631-390-9050. That's 631-390-9050. APB. Jimmy, I just got the best hookup on tickets. Hmm, fill me in. I went to www.seatslinks.com and ordered the best tickets with the best prices. Call 718-676-0504. Seatslink, the complete ticket experience. Tell them Charles sent you. Welcome back to Long Island's number one pro wrestling broadcast, Monty and Afaro. This is Mike Monty. <laughs> We're here with pro wrestling icon, Jewel Strongbow. How's it going out there, people? Jules, I wanted to ask you, I, I don't really know much about this, but I'm going to give it a shot anyway. All right, uh, go your, ahead. Your time in Japan, there's supposedly there's a story uh, involving Abdullah the Butcher and the Sheik. What, 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 can you tell me what this is about? I got split open. During the match, by Abdullah, of course, and his pencil or fork or whatever he carried at the time, lost a lot of blood. Wahoo, my tag team partner, this was during their, their, their annual tag team tournament, took me in the dressing room, and I'm, I'm literally blood from head to toe. Giant Baba walks in the dressing room and he says, Get an ambulance and get a, get a doctor. Abdullah comes in the room right behind him and he hollers, Get the photographers in here. Wahoo laid me down on the bench, bandaged me up, and we kept right on wrestling the next night. Mm. Mm. I'm surprised Abdullah let him wrestle over in Japan. I thought that Abdullah tried to keep everybody out of Japan. That's what I heard. Is, uh, I... is it the truth about Abdullah behind the scenes, that he's not the greatest guy in the world, or what's your take on Abdullah as far as... Uh... I've not had a whole lot of, lot of interaction with Abby. Right. Did you let him know he was, like, you know, bludgeoning you during the match, like, to maybe take it easy, maybe, or something? Or, uh... No, it, it, it wasn't that. <laughs> it, was, it was just one of those things that happened. Yeah. Right, right, right. Jules, we're to almost me, at, we're to almost... me all, it, all it did was make me much bigger mm. in the eyes of the Japanese people yep. than, it, than it did anything else. Jules, we're almost out of time. We're going to hit you with something called the Pharaoh's Final Question, non-scripted, coming out of his... Shoot. His head, and he's going to hit you with it. Yeah, Could be about right. anything. Could be about what you what? eat in the morning. Could be, do no, you eat Fruit Loops? I don't know. It's about what he eats in the morning. <laughs> Could be about his new job application. Oh, oh my look dear out. God. <laughs> On fire in the middle of a show. What is, what is your idea of the worst job, driving a car for Nick Massey or working at Walmart? <laughs> yeah. See? He agrees with me. Either way, it's, <laughs> either way, it's a no-win situation. Uh, can I ask you, what is your favorite match just real simple. What's your favorite match? My favorite course, match? Yeah, in the course of your career. Let's go back to what I told you before. Okay. Ray Stevens, Madison Square that's Garden. That's the one, huh? That's got to be it? That's, that's the one. That's, that, you got yelled at for that match. I didn't get yelled at. <laughs> you, got, you got the finger. Come here. <laughs> I, got, I got the come here I need to talk yeah. to. Okay. That, that was my favorite match. Okay. Yeah. Well, then I'll add uh, Farrell's final question 1A. Give me your Mount Rushmore of the four greatest tag teams ever, seeing that you're a tag team legend. Give me four, four greatest tag teams ever? Four greatest tag teams ever. 
Jan Jules Strongbow. Well, there you go. It's a good start. There you okay. go. Nick Bockwinkle and Ray Stevens. Okay. It's uh, Bockwinkle again. Okay. Terry and Dory Funk. I can't argue with that. Wow. Okay. Jack and Jerry Briscoe. That's another one. I mean, my God. Can't beat it. You know, the, the, and number five. Okay. Dusty Rhodes. And what the heck is his name? His tag team partner that was up in, in Minneapolis. Oh, with Bruiser. Uh, Dick Murdoch. Dick Murdoch. Okay. Yeah. Dick Murdoch. Yeah. Number five. Dusty Rhodes and Dick Murdoch. Those are five of the greatest tag teams as far as I'm concerned. Interesting. Wow. Interesting. Well, with that, we want to thank you, sir, for joining our broadcast. Uh, what an honor it has to have you in studio. Thank you for the wonderful stories and for the fans thank out you. there. I want to say thank you. It was a you. pleasure thank being you. here out in Long Island. Thanks for the childhood memories, too. That was just oh, childhood memories. Had to bring that up. Sorry about that. Listen, I need a hearing aid, too. What are you going to do? What am I, I going to say? You know? You've been watching Long Island's <laughs> number one pro what? wrestling broadcast, Monty Nefaro. You can watch us on the Monty Nefaro YouTube page, the Monty Nefaro Facebook Live page. Hear us on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Anchor, Channel 115, every Tuesday from 7 p.m. to 7.30. And if I ace my interview, you can catch me driving for Nick. <laughs> oh, my God. This is going to be forever now. <laughs> Well, Nick, I'm going to kill you, Nick. I'm going to kill you. What? I'm putting him over here. I mean, at first I did it, but I'm trying to work with For it. For early yeah. rises, Saturday yeah, from yeah, 6.30 a.m. Yeah. to 7 a.m. at Channel early 20, Friday 1.30 to 1.30 to Farrow. 2 a.m. time, Friday Upcoming nights, shows yeah. this Thursday, we oh, have WWE we have? legend uh, the Tonga oh, Kid the Tonga? in studio. Yeah, very nice. Very nice. And, have me picking him up. At the oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. Help me, Spock. Oh my help me. Spock, help me, Spock. <laughs> this is great. Oh my and then God. on, I believe, the following <laughs> Thursday, we have the ah, author of Job read. Man, My 25 Years in Professional Wrestling, Mr. Chris Moltieri will be read? in. Oh, it has pictures. Good. And okay. on Saturday, <laughs> the 19th at it's 11 a.m., we've oh got Magnum God. TA in oh, studio. Hello. And then That's on awesome. Monday, I believe the date is, if I have my date together, the 28th at 4 p.m., We this one I'm jacked up for, okay. is baby doll oh, in yeah. studio yeah. not many times that we by have the, the by female the way, i'd like to say thank you to our arts man mr jeff rumplick for taking baby doll's hand removing it from your crotch and raising it up a little bit her hand was right down on your member fan jimmy finger and i don't want to say anymore. fan but what? uh monty nefaro follower yeah. Jimmy Fingers 19 says, love this one, fellows. Much better than watching Mar Marty Janetti loaded twice a week. <laughs> I, guess, I guess Marty Janetti. Dude, we almost killed each other. You want me to pick him up? Yeah. Hey, hey, we can't show up. What's your problem? Come here, Farrell. What are you talking about? Jules, for all the wrestling fans out there, Chief. Thank you for all the memories. Thank Absolutely. you for everything you've done for this industry. industry. And uh, to all, to all the you. fans out there, I got to say this: thank you for being a fan. There you go. Thank you for supporting us. There you go. Thank you for continuing to support us. We love you. We can't live without you, and we ain't even going to try. There you go. And uh, we'll leave with this. C.J. Duncan says, avoid the potholes on the LIA. <laughs> he ain't kidding. <laughs> he ain't kidding. You've been watching Long Island's Double Road Pro Wrestling Broadcast. Monty and Afaro, this is Mike Monty. This is the Faro. Down the pothole we go until next week. Geronimo!
Later.